Hello, and welcome to the Her Head in Films podcast. I'm your host. My name is Caitlin. In this podcast, I share my personal musings on cinema. If you never listened to the podcast before, you might be wondering who I am. As I said, my name is Caitlin. I created this podcast because I live in a rural area in the South, in the United States. I live in a place where there's not really a big emphasis on culture or on books or films or anything like that. So I don't really have anyone to talk to about these things that I'm passionate about. So um, that's sort of the function of the podcast. And who I am, I'm a writer, I'm a dreamer. I love literature, I love art, I love film. I have a mad, furious passion for cinema and art house cinema and foreign cinema. Um, I'm a cinephile, I'm a cinemaniac, I guess is a word that I like to use to describe myself because I really do just adore films and that is what I seek to share in this podcast and so um, so that's why I created the podcast. I wanted to have an outlet. You know, I, I needed to um, just, I needed to share my feelings and my thoughts about these films that I experience. And so that's how this podcast was born. And if you're scratching your head about the title, it comes from an email that I wrote a friend a few years ago when I was really, really obsessed with films. I was like in the zone. I go through periods where I am just obsessed. And um, I mean, I'll watch, you know, two or three films in a day if, if I'm able to. And I said in that email, I said, my head isn't in the clouds. My head is in films. And so it became this sort of tagline, I guess, or this this mantra or this motto or something and um, so when I got to thinking about starting a podcast I thought that is the perfect way to encapsulate the way I feel about cinema which is that it is I, my head is in cinema my brain is thinking about it these images have imprinted themselves on my brain and so I just loved that that phrase that I just kind of came up with on a whim in an email, you know. So that's the introductory introductory bit, you know. I'm not very good at that, but um, you know, if you're new to the podcast, I welcome you. I hope that you find something worthwhile about it, or maybe in a few minutes you'll just you'll just pause it and stop it and never listen again. That's your prerogative. <laughs> but if you stick around. Or if you're a continuing listener and someone who continues to support me, um, I really appreciate that. And I've talked about it before, but I want to talk a bit more about this podcast. And I haven't done an episode in a little while. It's been a few weeks. You know, those of you who are regular listeners may have noticed. And so I really missed this. I was waiting on a microphone. So this is the first episode where I'm doing the um, podcast with a microphone. In the past, I had basically just been getting like 
really close to my Chromebook and just sort of speaking into my computer. And so it's really nice to have a microphone. It's much more comfortable. And I decided that because I love doing these podcasts so much, I also have a book podcast where I talk about literature. And I'll put the link to that in the description of this episode. It's called Her Head and Books. So they're very much connected for me. I love books and I love films. So I was waiting on this microphone and I finally got it today. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode with a microphone. I'm hoping that maybe the, um, you know, the sound quality is a little bit better for you. And um, it's just really more comfortable for me. Like right now, I'm just sort of laying on my bed in the dark talking. You know, that's how I tend to do these podcasts. Um, So I'm excited. Like, I just feel really excited that I have the microphone and I can come back and talk to you because I've really missed it. Um, I've watched some really great films and I've been wanting to talk about them and and share that um, experience with you. So I'm going to get to that in a few minutes, but, you know, some of you who have listened to the podcast before, you know that I kind of like to meander a little bit, and I like to go on tangents, and I like to just, before I get into the film, I like to just talk about something more general or more personal. So I've been thinking lately, I was having this really interesting uh, chat on Twitter with someone who I adore. And um, we talk a lot, and she's really lovely and wonderful. And we were talking about how, like, we we need art, and how we can't live without art. And those of you who follow me on Twitter, that's my main base. And I will have my Twitter link in the description of this episode. Um... I like to share like little fragments from my journal on Twitter and um, because that's what I write a lot. I just write these little fragments, these little bits and pieces of myself that I'm able to capture, you know. Um, And um, so I think in like one thing that I wrote on Twitter, I wrote like, I can't live outside of art. It's it's just, it's not possible for me. It's like, when I'm out in the real world, when I'm going about my day, when I leave my apartment, I don't necessarily leave it a lot, because um, I'm sort of a recluse, and I, I struggle with anxiety and depression and those kinds of things. So I'm very much a homebody. I'm someone who... I stay in a lot, Um, but I think about this a lot about how, like, I don't know how to live outside of art, and I know a lot of people say they can't live without art, like, they can't live without books, they can't live without writing. Um, I remember there's this interview with Clarice Lispector where she says, you know, when I'm not writing, I'm dead. I feel dead when I'm not writing. And I agree with that. And, um, you know, there are people who just can't live with without things. But I'm talking about living outside of it. Because for me, 
a book is an experience. A book is this this world that I enter. And it's the same thing with a film. I enter these places and I live inside them. And I don't know how to leave them. I don't want to leave them. And it reminds me of this thing I wrote years ago. I am obsessed with the film La Vie en Rose, which is about Edith Piaf. And it stars Marion Cotillard. And it is one of my favorite films. And it's a sublime film because of what Marion was able to do in her performance as Piaf. I felt when I watched that film that this was this was a performance for the ages. This was a performance in which the actress completely transformed into this person. I felt like Marion like inhabited Edith Piaf or like resurrected her through her body and her face and her mannerisms and I really when I wrote my review and I wasn't I don't even know where I posted it like this was before I was even like before I even had a tumblr like which was 2010 so I don't even know where this review exists <laughs> um but what I wrote in it was that for me, that film, yes, it was about Edith Piaf, but it was also about how does an artist, how does a performer live off the stage? Because when Piaf was on stage, she gave all of herself. She lived and breathed on that stage. She was alive on that stage. But then she has to leave the stage. She cannot live on the stage 24-7. She cannot live that art all the time but it's the only time when she's alive it's the only time when she's who she was meant to be you know and when she was off the stage that's where the heartache and the pain and everything comes in that makes her even want to be on stage and inspires you know her songs and stuff but it's like how do we live in the spaces between art how do we function when we don't have it like because we have to have regular jobs and we have to go to the grocery store and we have to do all these mundane tasks and we have to like deal with life right you know but all I want to do is read you know all I want to do is watch a movie like I have a hard time existing outside of that state outside of that experience of art you know like, I want to live on those pages. I want to live in that movie. I want to live in my words. You know, the words that I write. Like, this has always been something that I've struggled with as a writer, too. It's like, what I write is me. Like, that is the part of me that is real. That is, like, that is the essence of who I am, is the words that I write. Like... When you read those words, you're reading me. You're reading my essence and my soul. And that's who I am. I am these words, but I'm not. Like, I'm this body that ends. I'm this body that will break down and won't exist forever, you know? I'm temporary. 
and I have to live in this world of violence, of poverty, of, you know, all these things that affect me on a daily basis. And it's like, I don't know how to do it sometimes. Like, I just want to exist in the art. I want to exist inside these words or these images on a screen, you know? And I wanted to talk about that in this podcast because I still don't know how to say it. I still don't know how to comprehend it. And I don't know how to make other people comprehend it, you know? I sort of, I, th- I wonder if it goes back to that Walt Whitman, you know, saying of, you know, I contain multitudes, you know, and it's like, you feel that way sometimes. You feel like there's so much of yourself that is incomprehensible to other people that there is so much of you you're so there's so much you can't express all of it you feel so much you you have so many dreams I mean I'm talking about myself I feel so much I dream I ache I struggle and it's like when I'm watching a movie or I'm reading a book it's like that's when I'm most alive and most real and most at peace and most engaged and but what I struggle with is when that movie ends or that book ends or when I have to be in the real world and I have to be this person and I have to like be something that I'm not I have to pretend I have to put on this show you know like yeah you know whatever and it's like all I want is art like that's all I want you know I want that feeling that I get with art, that wholeness, um, that that beauty, that intensity, you know, that fire, I guess you could call it, like, and I can't live with, I can't live outside of it. It's like, who I am outside of it isn't really me, and it isn't really real. It's like, I'm my true self when I'm alone, when I'm engaged with this book or engaged with this film. Like, that's the real me. And I can't translate that for anybody. I can't, I can't make anybody understand who I really am. And so I do this podcast, I think, because maybe I can attempt to convey some of that to someone and I can you know, free this this voice inside myself, you know, and maybe that voice can reach other people. And so this podcast in a way has become like life-saving or like life-sustaining, like this way to express a part of me that is inexpressible, that is unsayable, you know? The person that I am when I'm watching a movie or reading a book, it's like, that's what I want to convey in this podcast, like who I am and and what I feel and what I think. And I want to transmit it to someone. I want someone else to feel it. Maybe, maybe find, they'll find something in it or they'll connect to it or something like that, you know, like. Maybe that's all I can do. I don't know. I feel so small and so invisible and so marginal and so 
you know, I'm just nobody, you know, <laughs> but I have so much in me, and I just struggle to express it, I struggle to share it, you know, but I want to share it. So that's all I wanted to say for now about that. <laughs> um, now we're going to go on to the film that I want to talk about, and that connects to it in a way. <sighs> Deep breath. <laughs> I feel like I've, uh, I feel like I'm just trying to articulate things that are just ether. Like I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm saying sometimes. Okay. So the film that I desperately want to talk about today is a classic. It's a big classic um, by a master director. It's called The Big City. It's an Indian film by um, Satyajit Ray. And, um, and I like to preface this with I have researched as much as I can the, the pronunciation of names, but I do have an accent and I can only do so much. And so some people said Ray, some said Rye. I'm going to go with Ray. It's just easier. And so um, I do apologize if I'm butchering these names. I didn't mean to. I tried to research, but I'm doing my best. Okay. <laughs> And so it's the big city. It stars uh, Madhavi Mukherjee, um, who was also in Ray's film Carla Char Charulata. Charulata. Oh gosh. Charulata. Charulata. Oh god, my mind just went blank. Charulata. Yeah, Charulata which I really loved. I watched that a few years ago. And it also had Madhavi Mukherjee in it. So she is this glorious, radiant, sublime actress um, in the film. And so The Big City. I watched it a few weeks ago actually. I didn't have my microphone so I had to wait to talk about it. And it was a film, I'm struggling to even talk about it. The images have stayed with me. I watched it, I guess like two weeks ago, or maybe a week and a half ago. And it stayed with me, these images. I find myself still thinking about it. And um, I have my notes. So let me look at these notes. All right. So I've been thinking a lot about this film. And I was thinking today about how what I love about world cinema, about art house cinema too. Is like like I said before, I am nobody. I am living in nowhere USA. Like, really. <laughs> Live in the middle of nowhere. I am so far away from India. I've never been to India. I, 
I've never been out of the United States. Um, takes money to travel and I don't have it. Plus I have a lot of anxiety about it. So India to me is a very far away place. You know, I don't have really any connection to it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm highly knowledgeable about India. I do have a few friends on the internet, Twitter especially. I have people that I have met who live in India who are from India and they're lovely and they're wonderful people. But I don't know that much about the country. I certainly would like to learn more and I should learn more. So when I watch an Indian film, it doesn't necessarily how do I say this? I don't know. It's like, it's this other world. Just like I'm sure somebody in India, if they watched a film about the South, you know, here here in the South, they would think that's like a such a different world from them. So it's like, it's this country. It's so far away. It's, I, I don't have really any personal connection to it. I don't know a ton about it, you know. Of course, I want to learn more. But it, but it's just amazing that this place that's so far away, and yet I watch films set in India, and I love them. Like, they're very specific. Like, The Big City, it is, it's a very specific film about a specific experience in India. It was made in 1963. It's set in Calcutta. It's about an Indian housewife, or I think they're Bengali, um, and it's about her getting a job. The family is struggling to make ends meet, and so she becomes a sales girl. She goes house to house, Madhabi Mukherjee's, Mukherjee's character. She goes house to house selling this knitting knitting machine to to um, Indian housewives who very rich Indian housewives who have um, very large homes and they're living you know in the lap of luxury really and so it's about it's about that it's about how her getting that job affects her family it's about how she handles certain things that arise in the workplace. It's about how her relationship with her family changes, how she herself changes. So it's this very specific story set in Calcutta. And yet, you know, decades later, I watched this film in Nowhere USA, you know, and I'm so moved by it and I fall in love with it and I've been thinking about it for like you know two weeks now and so I that's what I love about world cinema is that what it does really and I've talked about this in other podcasts but it breaks down walls and barriers you know it it takes you into another life into another world that is different from your own it's okay that we're different you know, it, it's okay. Like, 
I don't know why we're so scared of difference. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's something that is happening now with the rise of, of right-wing extremism around the world, especially in Europe and here in the U.S. There is this fear of difference. There is this fear of the other. And so we want to dehumanize people who are from other countries or who are of other religions. And I think world cinema is even more important now. Like it's so important to open yourself up to different cultures and to different people. So I just think it's amazing. This is what I love about world cinema. Like I'm just you know, I'm so far away from India and yet I feel so close through this film. I feel like I get this little glimpse into the human condition in India at a specific time, but also something that gives us an idea of the human condition throughout time and the human condition in the world that we live in now. So let's talk some more about this film and why I love it so much. And um, first of all, it, it centers a woman's subjectivity. Now, I was lucky enough to watch this film on a really great website. It's called Filmstruck. It would be available to those who live in the United States. And I just want to be upfront that when I recommend films or books, when I mention websites or products or anything, I am not paid to do that. I am not told to do that. Um, I have no connection with these things. These are just personal things that I use and that I enjoy. And so I just want to make that clear because some people may wonder, oh, is she saying that? Is she promoting a website because they sponsor her or they tell her to her. I don't know. You never know with people. So anything that I mention or like a website or anything like that, it's just I personally use it and I think that you might like it. It's that simple. Like I'm not being enriched or anything like that. So I finally got a Filmstruck subscription and this was a big deal to me because Filmstruck is a partnership between Turner Classic Movies, which here in the United States, Turner Classic Movies, for those of you who don't know, it's um, a television channel, and 24-7 there's no commercials, and they just show films. They show classic films. They sometimes show world cinema, but usually they show classic films. And so a lot of people who are passionate about film love this channel. I myself do. It was really, really important to me when I was discovering films and cinema. So it's a partnership between Turner Classic Movies and the Criterion Collection, which the Criterion Collection is a distribution company for um, international and world cinema and, and classic cinema. And so I finally got a subscription and it has everything. It, it's just, it's an art house cinema lover's dream like you've got Ingmar Bergman you've got Kishlovsky you've got um 
you've got it all. You've got Jean Renoir, you've got Francois Truffaut, you've got Jean-Luc Godard, you've got Chantal Ackerman, you've got Agnes Varda, um, you've got um, Oju, and you've got Tarkovsky. It's just, it's everyone, okay? <sighs> I was so happy when I got it. <laughs> I was finally able to have this. And so that's how I was able to see the big city. And because it's through Filmstruck, they offer, they also offer um, extras. So there was like an interview with Madhavi Mukherjee. And there was like a little, there was a documentary, like a film scholar talking about Ray's films. And he positioned them within the context of, of Indian history and Indian society. And so I got to watch these extra documentaries, which were really enlightening and really fascinating. And so I hope to do that with some more of Ray's films that are on the website. So I will talk a little bit about those little documentaries as well. So, um, so what's, Im what's important about this film, first of all, is that it really centers a woman's subjectivity. And so the documentary that I saw with this in, with this Indian film scholar, where he talked about Ray's films, is that he talks a lot about how Ray was thinking, of, you know, India had gotten its independence, and there was probably, I guess, this sense of of oh, this this is this new society, and what will it be? And Ray strongly believed in the place of women that they had a role to play in the new India and in, in India's future and um in its in its you know birth and um so he did Charulata um which is a really beautiful film it also centers a woman's subjectivity and then he does you know the big city this film focuses on Madhavi, you know, it's about her experience of going into the workplace and her struggles and her triumphs and the complexities of the situation because they are struggling financially and her father-in-law is very much against her going into the workplace. He's he's very traditional, he's very conservative, I guess you could say. And he doesn't believe that women should go into the workplace. And so he sort of refuses to talk to her. And so there's there's this when she goes into when she goes to work, it changes the family dynamic. And um so she has to deal with that, and then she also has to deal with, you know, there's the family unit at home. But then when she starts this job, there is there's a sort of family unit at her workplace because she's not the only saleswoman. There's a whole group of her and several other women who are going from house to house and selling these knitting machines. And so in a way these women become a second family. And I really loved how the film focused on women, on Indian women, on their their experience in society. And um there is this sense, and what I also really loved, now that I'm thinking about it, I loved how the women worked together. Because there can be this stereotype about women that they get catty, or they backstab, or 
something like that, which I don't find to be true, obviously. And it's a really vicious stereotype about women. I mean, it just is. Um, but this film shows women standing up for each other, and there is this one girl in the group called Edith, and she's an Anglo-Indian, so she speaks English um, throughout the film. And she goes in to talk to the boss to get them a um, to get them a raise and to make sure that they get commission. And she sort of uh, she's very modern. Um, she wears more like Western clothing, whereas Madhavi's character wears like a sari, and and wears maybe more traditional clothes. I don't know for sure. I don't want to make assumptions. But Edith wears, you know, more Western clothing. So she's maybe seen as this, maybe the new woman or, or something like that, or more modern or something like that. But it's not that she thinks she's better than anyone. You know, it's not like that. It's all these women working together, standing up for each other, supporting one another. You know, they're, they're, they're of different ages. They seem to be from different backgrounds. But in, in the workplace, they really come together and they stand up for one another. And um, it's sort of this portrait of sisterhood as well. Um, so I think that's an interesting aspect of the film that I didn't even actually think about until I was talking just now um, about the relationship between the women. I think that's a really important part. Um, Madabi's character, her um, relationship with Edith is really important. There's this really great scene where Edith um, gives her lipstick. She puts lipstick on Madabi's lips and it sort of maybe represents this moment when, you know, Madabi is sort of, I guess, becoming a different person or she's changing or transforming and, and, um, that's an interesting aspect of the film is how Madabi's character um, is changed, you know, by working. Um, how she feels very proud when she's able to bring the money home. She's able to buy gifts for her children and she's able to contribute in some way. And that seems to mean a lot to her. There's this really great scene where she's standing, she gets her first paycheck and she goes into the bathroom to be alone and she stands in front of this mirror and she's looking at herself in the mirror and she's holding the money that she's made and she's looking at herself and you really I mean Ray is just so brilliant um, the way he conveys this it's this sense of uh, her changing and her becoming this this new person this new woman and and um she's really proud I think and she feels confident in herself and she feels um I guess she feels like she's really um I don't know what the word is but she's coming into her own in a way you know and um and he really conveys that beautifully like at first she's scared like she on the first day when she is going door to door to sell this knitting machine 
the first house she goes to, she, somebody comes to the door, I guess a servant, and um, and she runs away. She's very scared. She's very nervous. And um, there's these very interesting shots um, that Ray does. Um, I'm trying to think. Yeah, it's because there's fin there's um gates for all these homes because they're like mansions really. And um, and Ray shows Madabi behind the gate, like the gate in front of her, and you see her face in between the slats of the gate, and it almost looks like she's behind bars or in prison or something when she's first starting out there's this sense of fear and uncertainty about um about doing this you know she's not sure if she can or or if she has the confidence um to do it and then she starts um she does go to a house and she does go in and she does speak to that to the wife of the house and and it goes very well and so she starts to do really well and she gets very good at it to the point where the boss wants to really promote her and and um have her manage the other girls and stuff so um she really gains confidence in herself it seems like what's interesting is that I think you could argue that the film is sort of about maybe the modern modernity and tradition sort of the clash between those two things and you know with her father-in-law he doesn't really agree with her going into the workplace but he eventually comes around and what's really great about this film is that I don't I didn't feel like it demonized any of the characters like it didn't make her father-in-law out to be this like oh this terrible misogynist sexist guy or something you know he comes from a, a different generation that had maybe a different conception of women and what women were supposed to do but it doesn't demonize him you know and and it shows how you know a woman working especially at that time in 1963 in Calcutta you know in India how it does it did affect the family you know she has a son and she, the son has to get used to I think earlier I said children didn't I know she only had one child um, she had a son and um, so she has to spend time away from him the son gets very sullen and he gets very you know upset about not being able to be with his mother all the time anymore but I felt that Ray handled that really wonderfully it's you know there is there the dynamic does change and she has to adapt to that and she can't be with her son all the time and and it hurts her you know she misses her son and she misses that he's distant from her and she buys him things almost like maybe trying to buy his love a little bit you know buying him lots of gifts and things like that to try to make up for the fact that she has to work and she can't be there and and later in the film her husband um he works at this bank and the bank goes under and he loses his job and um and so she has to she has to stay at that job 
and she has to really um, work hard and bring in you know money for the whole household and that's a lot of pressure for that for that to be on her shoulders you know but she handles it you know she's very she's uh she's very strong in that way i think madabi is such a wonderful actress and she conveys such complexity and such a range of emotion and feelings i really love her i really loved her in this film too i love the way ray used shadows in this film I mean, above all, this film is just so aesthetically gorgeous. Like, I mean, I had seen Charulata and I loved it, but I did not, it just didn't hit me at the time what an artist Ray is. Like, I, I just think he's a really masterful director and I don't know if he really gets the attention he deserves. I mean, everybody knows Truffaut or Tarkovsky or Rosalini or um or Godard or you know what I mean like those are sort of household names I don't know if Ray is a household name I don't know I mean I could be wrong but um I mean I've been watching Art House Cinema since 2011 I would say so I've been in th at this for about six years and um he just he doesn't come up as much as he should you know and I this film really has inspired me to watch more of his work like I feel like this is a master you know this is someone who is creating films that are very profound and are very artistic and are very um, important you know this is an important director um, Madabi in the interview that I was able to see of her when she's talking about making the big city she talks about how um, when she saw her first Ray film that is when that was the first time she realized that cinema could be art you know that that it's not just something that you do for entertainment you know it is something that can be art and I definitely agree this film there's these wonderful shadows and the way the he uses light and like I talked about the gates and the bars and and mirrors um, you know when Madabi's looking at herself in the mirror after she gets her first paycheck it's the way these scenes are shot and the way they're set up are just it's just masterful I think and um so I definitely want to watch more of his films definitely definitely and Filmstruck has quite a few and so I'm definitely going to um to delve into his uh his body of work for sure at the end of the film the boss um fires Edith and um this is a very big moment for Madabi's character and I feel like mm, this was a very powerful moment because she is the sole breadwinner for her family at this point Edith gets fired Edith has been out sick for like several days and the boss doesn't believe that Edith was sick 
and he thinks Edith was just, I guess, out partying or something like that. And so he fires her. And Madabi, in this really amazing moment of like friendship and sisterhood, I think, um, she decides that she's going to stand up for Edith. And she does. And um, it's this really, it's this very moral moment. It's this moment of morality, right? And um, she basically quits, you know. She basically says, you know, you should not have treated Edith that way. And she leaves. And she, it's this very powerful moment. You know, but at the same time, you're thinking as you watch, and maybe this is just, you know, from going through a recession, you know, in 2008, like we did. I'm like, oh my God, what is she going to do? She, she's the sole breadwinner. Like, what's going to happen to her now? You know, I was worried for her. But I think, I think it's asking this very moral question that for me, I don't feel like modern films really talk about morality and I'm not talking about religion you know but about right and wrong about standing up for people or standing up for what you believe in against the odds about justice you know films about morality and justice I mean if you think about like the Decalogue uh, by Kishlovsky that is a moral series you know, you don't have to be a Christian to appreciate it, but it is looking at moral situations, whether it's the Holocaust, whether it's the death penalty, whether it's love, you know, it's asking, it's asking moral questions. And I just feel like a lot of modern films don't do that. They're not interested in morality or, or interested in, you know, what it means to be human or the choices that we have to make sometimes. But this film, in the end, felt very moral to me. And and maybe it's a commentary on capitalism as well. Like, how many people would have stood up to their boss? You know, at the cost of their own livelihood. Because, you know, she loses her job. But in that moment, it's important to Madhavi's character to stand up for Edith. Edith, who has who fought for them, Edith who was a friend, Edith who, you know, was a good person and was nice and decent. But it made me think a lot about, you know, capitalism now and the workplace and jobs and how there is such a lack of um, worker solidarity. You know, when you think about here in the United States, you know, unions are at sort of an all-time low. People are not in unions. Um, people are divided you know corporations are able to divide the workers against one another instead of workers having solidarity or standing up for each other and um how many of us have been put in really difficult situations at workplaces and how we didn't feel like we were treated right or we weren't treated justly you know, especially women, especially women and women of color in the workplace, the way they are often treated. 
and this film is about that it's about how you know women are treated in the workplace and the, they really had to fight to get what they deserved to get commission and to get that raise and all that so for Madhavi to Madhavi's character to stand up to this man and to say you're not going to treat another woman this way I will not allow it you know what a moment of integrity right what a moment of dignity um and she knew she knew what she was putting on the line when she did that and maybe you think it's foolish maybe you think it's idealistic but it was also very satisfying to watch her stand up like that and and to be heard and to speak out and to say no you know i'm not gonna I'm not going to let you do this or I'm not going to let you get away with this and I mean that is for me like one of the cornerstones of the film you know is that climax and I guess that's why I'm still thinking about it I don't know but I just feel like I feel like it's really saying something about standing up for people you know standing up for one another and um, I mean you think about how the conditions in workplaces have deteriorated and and um, I don't know if somebody would do that now you know but she just believed in doing that you know and you know some people may think the ending is a bit idealistic you know because at the end and I guess this is maybe where the title comes from is her and her husband you know she has to tell her husband that um that she quit her job that you know she's now unemployed so now they're both unemployed they have a child um the husband has a sister that lives with them and then they have the husband's parents that live with them so you're talking about a really big family that's dependent on her income and she's got to tell her husband well i'm i don't have a job anymore but he takes it well you know and and they look up and they they're outside and you know you see all these buildings and these tall buildings and she says something like you know this big city this huge city there's plenty of jobs you know we'll we'll find something there there is a great sense of hope at the end of this film actually that they will find jobs and they will be okay because as I said earlier I was like so worried about her I was like oh my god she's not gonna have a job you know but they have a sense of hope and I guess maybe that comes from living in a city or living in Calcutta in that particular time maybe there was a sense of hope in the country and in India um, you know some may think it's idealistic or maybe too hopeful but um but it, it it's a very hopeful ending you know maybe a little too hopeful you know but that's sort of you know a different opinion i think i mean everyone has their i mean i there was a part of me that liked that hopeful ending and then a part of me that felt like well that might be a bit idealistic you know what if they're not able to find jobs you know it's tough it's tough but you do get the sense that they will be okay that they'll find a way 
they will find a way you know I'm just looking at my list of things I wanted to talk about I think I've pretty much touched on everything in the end this is really a film about ordinary people and ordinary financial and economic struggles you know here in the United States and I'm sure this is around the world in a lot of places you know films especially and and TV series tend to focus on the rich or they tend to focus on the middle class and there's not a lot of shows or movies that focus on people just everyday ordinary people who are struggling to get by which is a lot of people nowadays you know, a lot of people struggle to get by whether it's here in the United States or India or anywhere around the world there's that class struggle you know that's really constant for some of us and I say this as someone who grew up poor and working class and um, and so I love a film like The Big City because I like films about ordinary people about ordinary struggles and um, I don't want to say this film is universal because I don't want to diminish the film or erase its very specific context of being in Calcutta in the 1960s and for one particular family in India you know there was this really great essay that um, I came across recently and it was about Moonlight Barry Jenkins's film Moonlight and the right it was for Clio Journal which is a really great film journal and I'll put the link in the description of this episode but she was really writing about how when people talk about Moonlight which is a very specific film about a gay a black gay teenager in Florida uh, poor as well um, and it's one of my favorite films of last year and I did do a podcast on it which I'll also put in the description but um, she writes about how a lot of critics and reviewers and, and peep th even fans of the film sort of say things like oh well it's not just um, it's not just about you know Chiron, Chiron, who's the main character of the film, it's universal, you know. And you saw this recently with a press conference about The Handmaid's Tale, which is being adapted for Hulu and is about to premiere. Um, a lot of the the actors in the uh, the actresses in the in the TV show, they didn't want to say that it's a feminist show. They said, "Oh, it's not feminist. It's a human story." So it's like everybody wants to say, oh, it's human, it's human. And that's what they say about Moonlight. Oh, it's not just about this black, gay, poor teenager, child in the South. It's a universal story. Well, maybe there are things about it that you can relate to, but you shouldn't necessarily watch something because you can relate to it. You know what I mean? Like, like I said before, it's okay that there's difference in the world. You know, you... I watched The Big City knowing that it was a film about Indian characters, about people in India, people who are different from me, who have a different culture, who have a different experience. And that's one of the reasons why I watched it. 
because I wanted some I wanted to get a look at a at somebody's story who's different from me and maybe in the process I'll discover something or it'll expand my empathy or expand my view of the world so it's good that things resonate with you about a film just like when I watched Moonlight so much of that resonated with me and there are things in the big city that resonated with me like class struggle like you know that you know trying to stay afloat trying to you know deal with the workplace deal with your family you know all these really fascinating things in this film and it's really wonderful but I would never want to erase the very specific context of the film and it's the same with Moonlight you know we shouldn't always seek out things that connect to our own experience you sometimes you need to confront difference you need to confront things that are different from you and to see the humanity in that and to see that you know there are people just like you are you know they may be different but um listen to their story you know and it's okay if something's not universal what does that even mean you know for so long what was deemed universal was like the white male experience you know a lot of literature about white men a lot of films by and about white men they're the default they're seen as the universal and so anything that's different from that has to be made universal too or something it's it's weird you know but there are things about the move about the big city that definitely resonated with me and I could relate to but it's still this very specific story and that's okay you know it, it's okay that it's about a very specific world at a very specific time you know just like moonlight is but those things are worth seeking out it's definitely worth seeking out experiences that are different from your own and stories that are different from your own because when you do that you really get a, a larger sense of the world and there the world is so vast I don't know if I've said this before but it is so vast it's so diverse it's crazy it's like you can't even comprehend it all the different cultures all the different languages all the different experiences and stories and myths and legends and I mean my god you know there's billions of us right billions and billions of us and we're all just doing the best we can and we all have different perspectives and and that's okay it's just the diversity of the world and watching world cinema you know watching film I mean I've uh, I watch films from around the world y'all I watch films about you know Kazakhstan I watched a film about Kazakhstan recently I watched a film about Singapore you know I watch films all the time about different parts of the world because I just want to get like a little glimpse into these places and into these into different people and their and hear their stories and hear their experience and 
I mean, you'll never be able to comprehend the vastness and the diversity of this world. But I really wish we could embrace it more. I really wish we could not be afraid of it. You know, like, not be overrun by fear of difference. I, I really wish that for us, you know, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I really loved the big city. It's it's this this story about ordinary people, but it's a very expansive story. It's It's about Calcutta. It's about India. It's about a woman, you know, sort of changing and transforming, discovering a part of herself, you know. I mean, I don't necessarily think work is that liberating, you know. Work can be very demeaning. Work, you know, certain kinds of work can be really difficult on the body, difficult on the soul. And you think about people who, you know, dig ditches or people who you know have to do really difficult jobs like picking fruit or or you know there are backbreaking jobs backbreaking work and it's not always liberating for everybody you know if you're stocking shelves at dollar general you know or walmart i wouldn't say that's the most liberating experience of your life you know um but in this particular story for the woman it was sort of an awakening for her in a way and she was proud that she could provide for her family and so it's about that it's it's about women standing up for each other right it's about a family changing and and trying to deal with a changing world you know the world around us affects us personally and so, you know, the economics of India and what was happening in Calcutta directly affected the lives of this family, you know. And so you see how economic conditions, cultural conditions, how they affect people, ordinary people on the everyday level. And so you see them trying to navigate this changing, this changing nation, you know, this changing society that they live in and the position of women and how that's changing and how they're having to adapt to that you see a really great relationship between a husband and wife i mean it has its moments where there's where there's fear he's fearful that she's changing he's scared that she's changing you know but there's support there too and there's love and so you, you know, like I said, it centers a woman's experience, a woman's subjectivity, which is pretty rare, especially for films from the 60s and by a male director. Um, yeah. It's, it's a beautiful film to watch. It's in this gorgeous, crisp, clear black and white and um, master masterfully shot and beautiful scenes and great symbolism and imagery and you know, I think Ray was a true master, and like I said, I look forward to watching more of his films, and um, I'll probably do podcasts about them, you know, if I'm able to, and just share my ongoing love with, you know, Sachachit Ray, and and um, and with his perspective, and 
what he's trying to say and what he's trying to share about India, you know, about the, the country that I'm sure he loved and that he grew up in and these the stories that he wanted to tell about his nation and um so I feel like this is a very singular cinematic voice that I had not given enough attention to and so now that I've seen the big city I want to delve more deeply into his vision in in the worlds that he created and the stories that he wanted to tell about you know pe the people of India and and um so I look forward to that and I I love this feeling of sort of discovering a new director you know just this feeling of connection with somebody's work it doesn't happen often you know it's sort of a rare thing so I feel like I've gone on enough I hope I did this film justice it's such a great great film and you know if you have filmstruck or if you have access you know to the film I would definitely recommend that you watch it I, I don't think you'll be disappointed um it's just a really really beautiful complex fascinating film so I will stop there um thank you for listening I really appreciate it and until next time keep watching films keep uh keep enjoying them and and um, I'll try to make some more episodes for you but um thank you for your support and thanks for listening bye